The following program contains some material that may be somewhat deleterious to the mind, and that uh, we are putting this on as a warning. Uh, does not necessarily represent the attitude, the viewpoints, or uh, even the transient thoughts of uh, anyone involved. <laughs> uh, just sort of grow like a topsy or whatever. That, uh, hey, uh, we, uh, are you ready in there, Nick? Uh, we, it's been a long time since we have saluted uh, slob culture. And uh, I think that the growing, uh, the growing slob culture among us must be not only recognized, but must be recorded. I mean, it has to go down in the record. I mean, you know, let's face it, there will be, there will be scholars uh, that will come on the scene uh, uh, 500 years from now, and they are going to want to know about these things. I mean, not, they don't want to just know about the, who was president at a certain time and what kind of battles were fought. They are going to want to know, for example... Because it, it, it gives the flavor, the life of the people. Now, wouldn't you like to know what was said outside the Colosseum among just two ordinary walking-around Romans, you know, man on the street, who arrived with their chicks on a Sunday afternoon for a good, fantastic card involving lions and stuff? Wouldn't you like to know what they talked about? Wouldn't you just say, you know, whether they brought a picnic basket along, you know, little things like that. <laughs> and if they did bring a picnic basket, Nick, what they had in the picnic basket, I wonder what they, when, when, the, when the whole concept of the picnic began. They began with a caveman. You know, let's go outside the cave today. Instead of sitting down here on our haunches down here in the dark, let's go outside today. <laughs> but uh, we would like to go on record tonight. Uh, we have to salute uh, Victoria, Texas. Yeah, I never heard of Victoria, Texas, but Victoria, Texas just had a great little slob culture event that I would like to go on hand and salute. Would you please bring me on uh, my uh, saluting of the slob culture music, please? And so tonight, this important media of communication takes this opportunity to pause in its hurried, rush day of communicating the world's events. To pause for just a moment to salute the growth of Slav culture in these United States. Everywhere, the Slav culture is growing by leaps and bounds. Already, it is a well-established fact that one can get golf balls with tiny transistors embedded in them that send out beeping signals that are picked up by the caddy's radio to carry that sound directly into the rough so that a golf ball is never lost by the true slob who has the transistorized, slice-free golf ball. This is only the tiny tip of a vast iceberg of future slob products that will be commonplace in the world of tomorrow. Already, scientists are working on the problem of this self-operating yo-yo. The wind-up pet dachshund. With a transistorized eight-track bark. The slob world marches on, and we are taking time out in our hurried, busy day to salute the latest slob event.
tonight we salute Victoria, Texas. Modine Gunch, an 18-year-old Victoria, Texas beauty, wearing a halter, hot pants, and a hula hoop, walked off with the top prize yesterday in the last day of the third, first annual International Armadillo Exposition. Miss Gunch was said to have balanced on one hand while twirling the hula hoop with a foot. However, liberal applications through the day of pepitas, hot peppers, and Pira's beer among the judges, not to mention her outfit, led to some doubt. And we quote here, one of the judges, well, she had on a hailer, a kind of a halter top, and a real skimpy little set of pants, said the chairman. No one uh, really sure whether she stood on her hand, but my God almighty, she looked good. Other, other contestants, three other girls, uh, performed the following stunts in an attempt to win the top prize. A Miss Gunch won the prize, Miss Vacant Lot of the World, 1973. Succeeding the 1972 winner, Cindy Hostler, a 21-year-old college student who had dressed up like an armadillo and had danced around to the sound of rock music while wearing roller skates in a vacant lot. Uh, the new queen will reign for a year over all the other armadillo queens, along with other queens throughout the nation. And so we'd like to salute tonight Victoria, Texas, and Modine Gunch, who have succeeded in once again proving that the slob is forever and will continue forever and will go on and on. Bring it on. Anything, Nick. Anything. Thank you. That's all right. It's all right, Nick. The slobs never worry about things like that. They won't forgive you. And so tonight, we would like to salute Modine Gunch, Miss Vacant Lot of 1973. Hold it there, Nick. Hold it there, Nick. Well, I'll have to, I'll have to tell you, you know, reminded. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. Don't, don't laugh. I mean, please, the, these people, uh, there's nothing to laugh about. That one must consider. You know, this is truly a folk uh, thing in America. I don't think there's any other place in the world where we elect various queens. I've never heard of, uh, of uh, say, Yugoslavia electing a peach pit queen. And uh, she, you know, travels around Yugoslavia and goes on the TV shows and is interviewed on the future of the Peach Pit. But uh, we do this, and uh, I, I'm just going to have to confess something here tonight. It's confession night, gang, and that can be painful. Uh, I am uh, going to confess that I, at one time, was involved in the election and the crowning of a queen. And it was embarrassing now that I look back at Oh, God, have you ever thought, Nick... Have you ever thought seriously of the day, and it'll, it'll happen inevitably, we all are mortal, of the day when you go to meet your great reward, have you ever thought of some of the things you're going to have to explain before that great eternal judge? Have you really seriously considered some of those things and how in the hell you're going to explain them? Because do you agree that you will be caught up in something without considering the consequences, without considering the ramifications, that's the ambience of the moment, will sweep you ahead and you'll do some damn fool thing and be involved in some cockamamie situation 
that years later you are going to have trouble explaining why you did it? Well, what do you think Watergate's about? I mean, <laughs> it's a lot of guys trying to explain a lot of cockamamie things, you know? And I'm sure that, that under ordinary circumstances, you took each one of those guys out and, and uh, you know, normal, uh, intelligent type guys, they would never have considered it, but it was the whole thing all together. It was the oof, the uh, the ambience. And the next thing you know, they're out running around buying uh, bugging deer, you know, they're getting eye patches and getting red wigs for different guys and the whole bit. You know, this will sweep you along. Difficult to explain later. It's madness. Yes. And we all have our element of madness, Nick. Don't you forget it. You think your mind is a steel trap, don't you? That deals with nothing but solid concepts and total, uh, beautifully contrived, uh, realistic and uh, logical arguments at all times. You have that feeling in your, in, your, in your head. You say to yourself, well, look, I'm a logical guy. Why the hell did I do that? What made me do that? Or don't you ever even admit later that you, you, you boo-booed? You know it, huh? Well, I guess either does Dean. Uh, <laughs> he would never admit it. I see, I see. Well, I've heard that before. Well, that ain't going to convince the jury when the day comes. I mean, uh, you protest when you're standing there before that gigantic desk and the eternal judge is leafing through the pages of your record. I doubt very much whether he's going to be influenced by the fact that you're going to holler up at him. What do you mean? I only think st I think straight. I took a course in logic. <laughs> that makes it worse. That makes it worse. If you if you try to pretend that you're logical, then you're going to have even more difficulty explaining the illogical things you do. If you start right out and say, "I don't know what's the matter with me. I got a carrot growing in my head somewhere." <laughs> I don't know, it gets it takes control once in a while. Then people will say, Oh, well it's the carrot that did it, I see. It's that funny thing with roots growing in your knobby head there. And at that point, uh, you people will be uh, inclined to be uh, tolerant, if nothing else. They may not let you off, but at least they'll, <laughs> they'll they won't look down from the bench and start hammering with the gavel and yelling at you. They'll just say, Well, take them away, seven years and that's about the extent of it. But let me tell you, uh, I, I've, uh, I've seen, uh, listen, I, I, uh, I've seen some madness uh, that, uh, that one cannot explain later on. I'll tell you one of the, one of the little events. You want to know one? I'll, uh, all right, okay. All right, uh, this is confession time, right? All right. I, uh, I, uh, this is uh, some time ago, and uh, I, uh, you know, I'm a fresh, sparkly-eyed uh, university-trained, hard-hitting, dynamic, ambitious type, uh, convinced that uh, he had the world by the you-know-what. It was only a matter of time before the world would admit it, and uh, all those goodies would flow, which naturally flow when you're on top of everything. Uh, I'm uh, sitting in my uh, little cubbyhole office type, and I'm involved in a television station. Well, I was working on TV, you know? And uh, here we, uh, you know, everything's uh, there's a $400 million television station all around me, you know, everything is going under control. And, uh, uh, you know, reliable, sober, industrious, a very hard-hitting group. Well, the phone rings. And it is, uh, the little things like that happen. Great events occur in the most 
inauspicious ways. And you got to keep on top of it at all times before that carrot takes over your head. Phone rings, and one of my friends is on the phone. That's the way it always happens. Yeah, that's right. One of your friends is on the phone, or at least the guy you think is a friend. And that's a whole other thesis. That's a whole other thesis. I'm sorry, Nick. I told you it was it was going to be. Uh, I told you tonight's show was going to be somewhat uh, painful. I told you also that there were certain elements that there were a bad taste, questionable taste, and could uh, in fact be deleterious to the morals of the young. And this is the way those things work. A friend. I will not go into into. Uh, details about how that came about, called me up one day and said, hey, Shep, and I said, yes, friend. I said, yes, friend. He says, hey, Shep, how about coming to a meeting in my office? We got a great little idea, and there's somebody I want you to meet. <laughs> I said, what do you mean, somebody you want me to meet? He says, well, let's put it this way. There's somebody I want you to meet. I got on the elevator, went upstairs, walked into my friend's office, and there, sitting in his office, I don't know quite how to describe this, but there are some ladies that I have met in my time, some females, that radiate something that even goes beyond sex. Have you ever met that type, Nick? who just by just sitting there are almost a human magnet. You can't help it. Your mind clouds. It boggles. And she's sitting there, and she says, Hello. Well, she said it in such a way. I, 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 I was instantly at her command. Anything she would have requested, I would have been not only prepared to do, I would have done it with vitality and vim. Again, this goes back to my original thesis. Would you agree that uh, that man has uh, man? I'm talking about men have been brought down by three things throughout all of history. The first one is money. You agree with this? The thirty pieces of silver is still very important. We all know about this biblical admonition, don't we? What about that thirty pieces of silver? You remember that and the money changes in the temple. Well, that's been going on a long time. What's the second one? All right. Have, no. That's pretty far down the list. Haven't you ever heard the legend of Salome? You know about this? Mm -hmm. oh, well, let's face it, though. What were the, uh, the, the ancient sailors? Sailing the wine-dark seas of Greek mythology. They were lured to their doom by what? Not by a bunch of sailors sitting on rocks, all hey, you guys, you ought to try this joint. No way. What were they lured to their, to their downfall by? Well, let's put it this way. Did you ever hear of Circe? The siren call? Well, why, why do you think they call, the word siren is from siren, you know? <laughs> so, nevertheless, what's the third one? You're right, Nick. Wild turkey. 
So you combine all three. Oh, my God. I mean, if you combine money, women, and booze, what do you got? You got a powerful mixture. A powerful mixture. So I walk in the office, right, saying, here's this, this, this chick sitting there, and I'll tell you, she just radiated like you wouldn't believe. What a fantastic, what a fantastic uh, physique. I'll put it politely. I'll put it another way. It looks like, I mean, I, she wouldn't have surprised me at all if she had a little valve stem between her shoulder blades and every morning somebody pumped her up with a, with a, with a pump. Um, she was pneumatic. And more than that, she had, uh, how can I say it? She had the, the, the personality to go with it. Sultry is the only word I can describe. So I walked in. Now, you've had one element, right? I walked in. And she looked up at me with these melting eyes. She had two deep, rich, mysterious pools of total liquid passion. I never saw passion surrounded by eyebrows until that moment. She looked up at me and says, Hello. I've been wanting to meet you. <laughs> Hi, George. Uh, yeah. Who's your friend, Marty? Marty was my friend. He said, I thought you'd like to meet Dolores. She's been wanting to meet you. I said, well, gee, uh, really pleased, Dolores. And then she said the worst thing. Let me tell you, Nick, the worst thing that happens on man is his vanity. Nick, what happens to you if some chick walks up and says, Boy, do you have beautiful hair. Doesn't that kind of touch you? Doesn't it kind of get you? That, that that disarms you a little bit? She says to me, you have a beautiful voice. Oh, well, I didn't. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you. <clears throat> At that point, my voice seemed to be entirely out of control. And I said, to, well, I... That's nice. Glad to hear that. Dolores. She said, do you mind if I call you Jean? I said, <laughs> not at all. Dolores. Hi, <laughs> uh, George. And then at that, at that point, my friend Marty says, listen, he said, what I really wanted to talk to you about was this. Uh, you know, we've got that uh, frozen food locker account. At that point, my head is already boggling, see, because Dolores is tickling my knee casually with her hand. And, uh, and, and, uh, I, I, he said, oh, wait a minute. She says, before I, before I, uh, before I get into this, this get a little dog. He says, anybody a little drinky poo? Is anybody for a little drinky poo? And Dolores says, oh, that would be nice. Well, I mean, you know, I, I would never have drunk in the office. You don't do this. But uh, with Dolores, you know, she was kind of a friendly person, and I thought it was kind of nice to, you know. So she says, yes, I'd like a drink. And with that, Marty takes, his hand reaches down, the bottom door of his desk reaches down, pulls out this big bottle of Jim Beam's Choice. Well, now, it's not exactly wild turkey, but let's put it this way. It goes pretty far towards faking it, right? <laughs> oh, so he brings out this big bottle, his fifth of Jim Beam's Choice, and he opens, he says, it's a brand new one. He says, I always keep it here for emergencies, you know, in case a snake gets into the office here. <laughs> That's a salesman's humor, by the way. He says, once in a while, a snake comes out of the wastebasket there, and they have to watch out for it. So he says, uh, uh, just say when. 
and he has these three little plastic glasses. And so he goes, he pours one for himself, he goes, one for Dolores. I said, when? He says, okay, boy, now let's sit down and talk about it. Well, I I, uh, raise my glass, Dolores raises her glass, and she says, "Uh, to us. Oh, God. I mean, I don't know whether it's been often in your life that a comparative, pneumatic, totally sensual stranger has raised a glass of Jim Beam choice and said, to us, looking right into your eye with two dark, rich, moist, moving pools of passion. I said, to, to us, Dolores. And the mighty said, yeah, <laughs> to us, <laughs> to frozen foods. <laughs> the salesman never forgets being a salesman. And uh, so we down our, our Jim Beam choice sitting there kind of cackling and laughing and then Marty lays the plan on us and boy I was feeling warm between the Jim Beam between this chick who was now uh, you know chucking me under the chin with both hands she says uh, gee uh, you have a nice chin I said thank you and uh, Marty says here's the story we got this frozen food locker account he says you know you got a couple of spots on the TV show there I said yes I've seen them uh, where the frozen food, where the, where the little kid comes and opens the frozen food locker. He says, yeah, they're pretty dull spots, right? I said, well, you know, I didn't want to say anything about it, but they are kind of dull, you know. After all, a little kid opens a frozen food locker and takes out a takes out a tray of frozen hamburger patties. Right, that isn't a very exciting spot. He said, I'll tell you, we've got an idea. I was just talking to the agency, and we've got a fantastic idea. I said, what is the idea, Marty? He said, well, it involves Dolores. Well, I'd have to admit that at this point, I had a few ideas involving Dolores, too. They were rapidly taking form. Sorry, Nick. The truth has got to come out. And it played a part. Man's libido always will unstring him. Between the Jim Beam, the libido, that hot little office, Marty, who was my friend, I trusted him. The frozen food locker account, all of it, it started to come together. And then he produced what is always apparently produced when chicanery is invariably involved. He produced a memo. How many memos have you heard about in the last few months, Nick? Memos, right? How many times has Mr. Dean brought up memos? Well, Marty brought out a memo. And he showed it to me and handed it across to me. It says initial list. Just, you know, this is just a routine. Well, between the Jim Beam and the chick, I took one look at this memo, and I couldn't read it too well. It was funny how the light had changed in that place. I wasn't reading too good. And I saw it said something about subject uh, uh, frozen food locker campaign uh, proposal, Miss Frozen Food Locker. And, uh, you know, just a whole lot of print that was kind of small, you know, and I was I wanted to get out of the office and take uh, Dolores down to the parking lot where she had her MG parked and we could out talk a little bit better. And Marty says, just initial it. So I initialed it. I wrote my name down there, see? So with that, I reached over and I handed it to Marty back again. We went back to the discussion. It was very simple. That's how easy you can get lit into sin. Go over, just like that. And I had committed myself to future criminal actions both moral and legal. And to make a long story short, meeting began to succeed meeting. 
And what the plan was, was the following. We were going to have an on-the-air promotion where we were going to elect Miss Frozen Food Locker of Northern Ohio. And the various girls were to send in their pictures, right? And they were to go down to the Frozen Food Locker Company's uh, store, you know, where they were selling with the department stores. I will not give you the name of the Frozen Food Locker because I do not wish to bring up this old case again. It's beyond the scope of this, the, sh- the story tonight. They have to go down to the Frozen Food Locker Department or their local department store and get an application blank, right? In which they would send in their picture, their, their dimensions, why they should be Miss Frozen Food Locker. And at the end of the contest, they were to get a, uh, a trip to Jamaica for two, for two weeks. <laughs> well, it, uh, in there, I, I, I believed in it, you know, so I start to go on here. I'm talking about all this stuff, you know, I'm talking about Jamaica, and I'm talking about how great it's going to be, and uh, all you should go on there. And uh, one afternoon in the middle of the uh, maybe eighth or ninth week of the contest, it was to be over in about a week or so, and the ballots were coming in by the thousands. I'm sitting in this in this group of guys, along with Marty and four or five other very important executives now, when all of a sudden Marty says, well, uh, I suppose the time has come now for us to start uh, uh, getting ready with the printed material on Miss Frozen Food Locker. We've got to get the posters out, right, gang? And uh, they all said, yeah, right, right, right. Well, it crossed my mind. I said, uh, did, uh, did, uh, did, we, uh, did, we, uh, did we elect her? Have we picked her yet? Now listen, gang, you're not following the story. I said, did we pick Miss Frozen Food Locker? At which point Marty says, what do you mean pick? Well, it's Dolores. This is, uh, I thought you knew that, uh, that uh, she was going to be Miss Frozen, but we hired her. We brought her out from New York. We got her through Central Casting. She said, uh, 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 I said, Jimmy, he said, oh, come on, uh, you're kidding me. Well, you, 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 uh, what are you talking about? And he reaches down in his desk and he whips out a copy of the memo. And there it was. I had initialed the memo. He says, here, take a look. Read the second paragraph. And the second paragraph said, to avoid uh, electing some dumb cluck, Miss uh, Frozen Food Locker of, uh, North, of Northern Ohio, uh, it is proposed in this memo that we hire an out-of-work actress after auditioning several in New York City and bring her under a contract who appear as Miss Frozen Food Locker. We've got to have somebody who makes a good appearance on the air, who does not have braces on her teeth, and who uh, can talk well and knows uh, that she's there to sell frozen food. Oh, my God. All I've got to say is that it's been bothering me ever since. I could just see myself. The water gate of the giveaway shows. My name is right there. It's signed. I noticed that Jim Bean didn't sign it. I did. I noticed that. Uh, oh well, you know what are you going to do? Oh, be careful, friend. Sin beckons from every innocent doorway. Do not fall, friend. Once you have fallen, there is no coming back.